Awaken Your Ego podcast with Joanne and Ariana. We are a health podcast that explores topics to do with biohacking and self-discovery. We are also on the self-discovery journey and we want to attract listeners that are doing the same in order to help them realize they're not alone. Ego differs from conventional medical spas and wellness centers. We believe that the secret to maximizing one's sense of self is in addressing the entire person inside and out. We provide state-of-the-art aesthetic treatments as well as lifestyle management and holistic health solutions. We aim to please with our efficient and friendly customer service and guarantee with our scientifically proven alternative therapies and lifestyle optimizations that every patient will leave our care with a boosted ego. Our goal is to help our patients realize the necessity of self-care and to encourage them to prioritize their health and wellness goals. When we make self-care and confidence a priority, then we're able to bring to light our potential for happiness and growth. This podcast is a way to expand our reach so that we are able to spread the word on the importance of self, the whole self, inside and out. This podcast is for educational purposes only. Please reach out to your medical provider if you have questions about any of the treatments we discuss to see if it's a right fit for you. Now on to our show. Welcome to another episode of Awaken Your Ego. We are super excited to have Lisette back on the show, our consciousness coach. Hello, Lisette. Good morning. Hello. Welcome. Thank you. So we wanted to update everyone about Lisette and the latest news that she's becoming a shaman. Mm-hmm. Would you like to describe a little bit of what that means for our listeners? Yeah. Um, Yes and no. <laughs> so I actually started this apprenticeship, um, and it's been quite fulfilling, to be honest with you. And it's going alongside or working alongside everything that we've already been doing with the Reiki and Theta. Now the shaman actually goes back, gosh, over 60,000 years. And it's actually people in the villages um, and what they do is they gather information from what's around them the trees the plants um, everything that is going to help them to help people to dive in deeper for within themselves to have more clarity to go into inner trauma to understand um the different dynamics that Earth is also bringing to us as people, and how we um, uh, how we use that energy to in our economy, pretty much, and for ourselves, and then what we could do individually to help heal ourselves. That's that's awesome. How would you mm-hmm. say that this shaman kind of training and perspective has altered um, your consciousness coaching? Um, they actually have work alongside each other. I feel that the shaman is really going back or diving in a whole lot deeper, though. Um, it's really touching base of, like, once again, the universe, the trees, um, the plants, the animals. Um, everything holds consciousness. Everything is part of us, and we are part of them. So there is no distinction. And then having to dive in that 
and not just understanding it, but also living it. I love that. And then what are some tools that you feel like you have received uh, during the shamanship? (laughs) Well, physical tools. I do have a medicine drum, which also helps the energy. Um, Vibration is a a tool, um, a modality that one raises the vibration, not just in us, but in other in other items around our life, the environment, once again, harmonizing with trees, harmonizing with the earth, um, so we can raise the vibration. And if you raise your your vibration, then what you're doing is also giving yourself the opportunity to heal. I also have a um, rattle, which also will help you, well, I can help with um, aligning your chakras as well. And if we go back to that energy field that we all have, um, we are bringing in energy. We are bringing in and attracting vibrations from other items. So wherever you are internally, you're bringing that into yourself. So what I'm able to do with the rattle is uh, um, clear that aura for you, clear that energy in your aura, in your body, Um for the future, for a better future. And also if there's something in the past that's just not quite, you're not quite able to let go, it also helps with um, allowing your vibration to let that go and bring new vibration into your universe. I love that. And that drum, me and Joanne have experienced some sessions using that drum. Um, It's a powerful, powerful tool. You can just feel the sacredness of it. Yes, I absolutely love it. It's actually buffalo. and Buffalo hide? Buffalo Mm -hmm. hide, yes. And so buffalo does represent, you know, the community of the the animal where they came together. But also back in the day, Native Americans used it for everything. Um, They use the hide for you know, making their teepees for even clothes. They use um, the bones for making that peace pipe. So everything was being used. So knowing that that um, hide is part of the drum, it's called the medicine drum, it's really sending that kind of harmony and that part of um, unity into the world. So Mm -hmm. that's why it's called a medicine drum. I love that. Hey, can you give us a little more info about the shamanship, like what it entails, like who your mentors are and kind of maybe some of the different um, classes and exposures that you've had through the shamanship? Yeah, I actually can. Um, So my our main teacher um, or instructor, I should say, um, she actually first started out as a psychologist and she was as she was working as she was working, she realized that she wasn't getting down to the nitty gritty of things with people. She would just listen. And that's what a psychology a psychologist does. And she wanted something to help, help people and help the community to really go in and release those traumas. And so she was actually taught by um, a shaman from the Mayans. So what my teachings are, a Mayan um, shaman and it goes back to the community. It goes back to um, being together. It goes back into diving. It goes back into also called a hollow bone. The hollow bone is saying that you are not you. 
you are an extension of everything else. So it's also diving in deep within ourselves to release those traumas, release those pains, release those connections that we have so we can have more unity with everyone and each other. And then I also have, um, so the person who helped us with our medicine drum, her name is Madge. She's actually Native American and she... Um, she's also known as a drum keeper. So what she does is she brings unity with the vibration for the community in actually Oregon and, um, and just holding space for people. And when you hold space for people, that means that you're sending out energy of love, energy of harmony, energy of people. That way they can go through what they need to go through, but holding that space with love so they can go ahead and raise that vibration for themselves and understand that there is something much more greater than themselves. And it's just a point of allowing them to find and tap into that harmony so they can re- start releasing those traumas out of their own body. Mm-hmm. It's so, kind of like at the cellular level. It is. It goes way deep down, you know, and this is a, a year-long program. I actually have four retreats, and at the end, I will be doing a vision quest. The vision quest, um, so it does involve four days out in the wilderness um, by myself, And it's actually, it's preparing us for that vision quest to be in harmony with everything. That's awesome Mm -hmm. and intense. It can be, it can be, but I have realized that the more that I dive deeper into this, um, the more I realize that there's no need to be scared. Mm -hmm. Because once you realize that that if you are in harmony with everything and they are you, you are one, then in reality, I'm just looking at myself in an animal I'm just looking at myself in a tree I'm just looking at myself in the wilderness I'm just looking at myself in space that's just part of who I am and so if I'm in harmony then I, they are in harmony with me mm-hmm. love that and I have you gotten any feedback maybe from clients that you've been working with for a while of like any differences they've noticed between before this apprentice apprenticeship and after yeah, um, so Reiki is just about energy. It's just bringing the energy to the body. And it can go any which where it wants to go. Um, then there's the theta. The theta taps into your subconscious mind uh, where you hold all your belief systems. Now, when it comes to the shaman um, and the journey that we do in shamanism is... What I'm doing is I'm helping, I'm guiding you and leading you to a safe place where you can go to your subconscious mind and open that up in a safe place um, and understand why you're having these triggers, why you're having these traumas and what emotions are are part of those traumas that have developed um, or have been imposed on you. And so it's not me telling you about this. It's you finding it for yourself and discovering it for yourself. So therefore, you're you're being more empowered yourself in your own journey. Love that. Mm-hmm. And that's something I think I've also felt yeah. the change. It's almost like you're helping me tap into myself mm-hmm. instead of just using your intuitive abilities to be like, Hey, do you have this issue? I think, you know, mm-hmm. think about this. Correct. It's and both very productive mind mm-hmm. you. Like, I feel like both are very healing and, and you can clear a lot of that 
the trauma that's kind of been stuck inside of you. But um, I do feel like when you're able to get the tools of tapping into yourself, then you mm-hmm. it's you're more likely to do that on your own because mm-hmm. you feel more empowered to do so. Kind of like mm-hmm. what you were explaining. And I love that. I love when it's not me empowering someone. It's you empowering yourself you going in there with your own self and rediscovering who you are and why you've been doing the things that you do. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to be looking at me. You're going to be looking at yourself to realize that you are an amazing person and that these traumas, um, emotional hurts, pains are have been really... Um, they mo- they've been pretty much holding you back into being the most authentic self that you can possibly be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I no, for sure. And some of the journeys that I've done with you since you started, this was the finding of our spirit animal, which we did as a group and Mm -hmm. was awesome. Yes. Um, And then a couple sessions of healing my inner child. And Mm -hmm. I feel like it's just that is it was me diving in into that deeper part of myself and you just guiding me through it Mm -hmm. but it was such an empowering experience for me that I feel like everyone should do this in all seriousness we all need it (laughs) 100% and I think the cool part about that inner child healing is like I can have different sessions Mm -hmm. with Lisette and different age groups kind of pop up to teach me a different lesson every time and I think that's what's so cool about it is it's not a one and done thing. It's mm-hmm. like you can keep diving into your inner self and find out more and more about yourself, which is pretty, yeah. pretty cool. Well, you have, as you grow up, you have these traumas at different ages. And those are pains and hurts that are getting stuck within the own body. So if we're not able to, if we don't have the coping mechanism at that age, and as adults, what we do is, we're being triggered, something happens with someone and you go back to that event and you get triggered, your body is literally going, remembering at what age that was, that event happened. And your subconscious mind goes directly, your body goes directly to that age of six, eight, nine. And so we're having, we're having to dive into those ages, your inner one to say, okay, what exactly happened at this age and what can we do to help you release it and what is your inner one truly need for you um i think a lot of people don't understand that is well actually we were never taught this that when you have those pains that do come in um that you experience in life or hardships no one gave us the tools of how to really cope with them So this is a wonderful way um, to dive in and give that little one that tool that they need to release and give them what they want and need. Mm -hmm. I agree. Um, So speaking on traumas, Mm -hmm. we wanted to get into our topic for today. Sure. How would you describe what a victim is in a person? So... There's going to be different categories on this one. So we're going to be talking about the emotional victimization. So on on that is a trauma or hardship, like we talked about, is that it happens. And what we do is we, we don't have the coping mechanism of how to release it or how to deal with it. 
So what we develop is survival skills. And that survival skill is what you keep doing as an adult because you had to survive something. And and without even knowing it, you you become a victim of that of that event and it just keeps repeating itself. So it's someone that doesn't have the coping mechanism and keeps keeps doing the same thing over and over again. And also you have that emotional aspect where it triggers your mind like I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy enough. This keeps happening in my life and it's repetitive and people don't have that like I said coping mechanism to stop that. That's what an emotional victim is. Well, I've been thinking about this topic a lot since we decided to kind of go forward with it. And I also was thinking about that aspect of, you know, with traumas or situations that happen or situations we're put into. It's like instead of feeling empowered enough to say like, oh, this is where I played into it. This is where my mom did. And this it's like instead of looking at it in reality, like with rationally. Sometimes it's easier to say, well, it's because of them. It's their fault. It's mm-hmm. because no one stood up for you, me. It's like you start to place blame outward instead of dissecting down the situation and seeing it for what it was. Definitely. You have a negative point of view of it and you think it's out of your control. Mm-hmm. And then that's repetitive over and over. But you have to also remember that's a survival skill that you developed at six, at seven, at eight. I mean, during those ages, if your parents didn't have those coping mechanisms, how were you supposed to learn how to f- gain that tool? Mm-hmm. So as adults, we keep repeating that over and over again. Definitely. Do you have any examples that you can share of stories you've heard that relate to victimization? And how did you help guide them through this process? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, there's a couple of them. Um, we can talk about like um, people pleasing. Let's start yeah. off with that. So, as a child, you had a parent or someone around you that they could have been a tyrant, they could have been like abusive, they could have been a verbal abusive. Or they had their own stuff going on where they were distant and disconnected. So what you do is, as a child, wanting to love, wanting to gain um, nurture and tenderness, you you see that they're hurting. So you develop to people, please. You wanted to please your parents. You wanted to please that person. And, and in hopes to get nurture and love in return. And that quite didn't happen. So then you develop a, like... Um, no matter how much I give, I never get nothing in the return as an adult. And that's a subconscious, that's a um, subconscious little um, trauma that you develop. Once again, survival skill. Now, as adult, you are seeing someone with the same distance and disconnection and you're wanting to people please. Hey, I can give you this. I can give you that. I can give you this. And the person is maybe doesn't have those skills so then you people please you give them what they want what they need um but they don't return that i guess that's also called fawning from what i hear of um they don't give you what you are needing and wanting and so then you can become hurt again which is confirming that one victimization which is confirming that people don't like you which is confirming whatever you developed at that age and so that's just one aspect this can happen 
This can happen um, even with couples. This could happen, you know, in work situations. This can have even happen with finances. Um, and what we do is when we dive into a journey, then we're able to understand like you were just surviving and these are the coping skills that you did to survive. Now, let's in the journey help you to understand you are worthy of love. You are um, enough for yourself. You don't have to validate in this way of people pleasing. You can validate yourself and give your inner one that love that truly is needed. So then you stop that. We're able to stop it in that journey. And now you can understand, oh, wow, I do deserve love in return. And it's just not, not just deserving, but knowing like you know that it will come back to you. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. I think that's a great example and probably a very common example that I think a lot of people have experienced. Mm-hmm. I feel like me, myself, I've, I've been, I was trapped in that mechanism for a long time of like, um, my parents, we had a lot of kids growing up, six kids. It was a lot. There was a lot going on. My dad had callings in church. He was a very busy man. And so I feel like I saw my mom as someone very overwhelmed and very much like in the trenches of motherhood, just trying to figure out how to make everyone get taken care of. Um, and so for me as like the oldest daughter, I felt this intense need to support. I'm like, Oh, I'm going to support if I do more then surely there'll be time for me. There's going to be love and tenderness for me. Kind of like what you were saying in the beginning. Um, and it's, it felt like that never, no matter how much I did, there wasn't that return back. And so I think in my relationships that also portrayed itself, I'm just going to keep giving and giving and doing and doing more and more for the kids, the house, my husband, and eventually it'll come my way. Mm -hmm. But all the while I was confirming that belief in my mind that like, oh, I'm the weird one. Love doesn't happen to me. People can't serve me. It's like I was believing that old belief system that I held as a child. Mm -hmm. And I think it wasn't until kind of doing some sessions with you and realizing like, no, like, what am I scared of? Like, what if I stopped giving? Mm-hmm. Like, would would I be worthy of love? Would I be worthy of the possibility of love? And the answer was yes. But it's mm-hmm. like um, dismissing that fear of it not coming my way. Right. And also dismissing that lie that I don't deserve it. Mm-hmm. I, I think I had to go through that process. And all the while realizing that... I am victimizing myself every time I make an excuse like, Mm -hmm. oh, well, he's busy or, oh, you know, my parents have a lot going on. It's like all the excuses we make. It's like that's a way that I get to stay a victim. Like I'm I'm the one that doesn't get the love. I it just kept validating that instead of now I'm trying to create boundaries of like, no, this is where I go. This is where I stop. And I deserve that love that comes and it should free flow to me just like I freely give to others. Um, yes. And it's all the emotional hurt and pain. I mean, if we're so used to looking onto the outer, outer, outer. So if you get a cut, what do we do? We take care of it. We wash it. You know, we mend it. We put a bandaid on it and so forth. But no one really told us or showed us or gave us the tool of how to, if you have that emotional cut inside of you, what do you do? How can you really take care of it? But in fact, you know, our parents didn't know that either. So what they did is they pushed it aside. And so now you have survival skills as that, or you have avoidance. You have people who also, um, like you were saying, you were giving and giving and giving, and then all of a sudden it doesn't come back to you. Some people get upset and really like, they go into 
Yes, that victimization, like I'm being a victim, but then they create that the person as being a monster. Exactly. You're a monster because you don't give me this. You don't. And then once again, we're looking outward instead of looking inward. So I talk about this, this um, going within. I don't know why I use this, mecha- this verbiage, but it made sense to me. So think of your hurts, pains, and everything else, and it comes within you. And so that is like in a car. If your car is having trouble and has a dashboard and it says check engine, you know, are you going to go in the trunk? Are you going to go outside of it? Are you going to go go to your neighbor's house? Are you going to go to your friend? Are you going to go this? Um, and that's what we do. That's what we're taught. Let's go outside of ourselves. But it says check the engine. So that's your dashboard. Your fears are coming up to for you to understand, hey, it's coming up within me. So what do you do? Check the engine. The engine means you within you, dive within you. And you have to ask yourself those questions about yourself. Okay, what does this remind me of? Why am I upset first? What does this remind me of? And then you will understand that there's someone, there's that inner one within you saying, hey, I'm really hurt. I'm really pain because it's triggering me that reminds me of a past situation that happened. So it's really diving into your own self and really looking within um, to seeing what is your engine telling you. Mm-hmm. No, I like that analogy. Oh, I think that's great. I was listening to a podcast recently and it was talking about, um, you know, parent-child relationships kind of thing. And and the, this parent in particular was very abusive, like verbally, physically. And they made their son the scapegoat. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, it's because he's so bad. Mm-hmm. He is so bad. That's why I need to yell. He is so bad. That's why I need to hit. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it, it made me think of like, what are the subtle ways that I victimize myself? Like the excuses of like, I'm doing this because you're doing that. Because that's relinquishing control, right? That's giving someone else control over you. Mm-hmm. And you're reacting to that. And if I'm an empowered person, I should be in control of myself, you know, mm-hmm. completely. And it just was kind of mind opening of like, okay, like I want to analyze ways where I allow the excuse or a reason to validate my action and not necessarily be not when I'm not letting myself be in charge of my actions and how I want to present and how I want to treat people. I just thought that was like a very interesting kind of subtle way that we victimize ourselves that maybe a lot of people wouldn't look at it as such. Oh, yeah, I can definitely relate with that being on the other end not the parent but the child and because my parents would always make those excuses of like I'm frustrated with you because you're too much you're too hyper you're Mm -hmm. too loud you're too Mm -hmm. dramatic and I mean as a child you think well that's just how I am you know I'm learning things but in a sense for me I feel like I victimized myself in the sense of like oh I might be undeserving of things because Mm -hmm. I am too much or I do need to dim myself down. I need to conform in a sense. So I want to jump on that. What your parents deny you is what you deny yourself. And then you cry about it because you're denying yourself. And that is the trauma that needs to be healed, that we need to look into to go within. Mm -hmm. And that is mind-blowing to think that you're taught to deny yourself and so you're as adult, no, I can't have this. This is why people sabotage relationships. This is why, you know, they go outside of themselves wanting to find answers. And yes, you know, there's, when you go out and seek answers, 
it really is going to direct you back into you mm-hmm. of who you are and why you do the things that you do. And it's really taking that time for yourself, doing the work that needs to be done to evaluate and be have that self-awareness for yourself. So your parents, without telling you, they could have had a bad day. They could have been like had a headache. They could have had all these other different things. And it had nothing to do with you. You just happened to be that fun, loving child. Hey, I want to have fun. I want to be loving. I want to do this. I want to do that. But yet they could have been so disconnected from their own body, from their own selves, that you were too much for that because now they didn't have no energy. Mm-hmm. And once again, they, didn't, they weren't mature enough to understand that for themselves because they were never taught that. So now it's having to go into journeys and looking at you. Okay, let's let's do a healing session for you to heal that little child because they were being triggered. But once again, they were yelling at you that you were triggering them. Mm-hmm. But yet it was their emotion, their own trauma that was being triggered saying, hey, look within, look at the dashboard, look at the engine, go within. And they would have seen this whole time. It wasn't you you just happen to present yourself in such a way yeah. that they made you that outer person. And doing a few sessions of my inner child healing with you definitely helped to bring that to light. And it's also to kind of have compassion for my parents, to understand where they were at the time and not have that grudge against them, but also not to see myself as a victim. But mm-hmm. it's just crazy how the thought still kind of lingers in the subconscious. Mm-hmm. Like for present day, I realize like, oh, okay, if something doesn't go my way or something that I want like I naturally subconsciously think oh it's because you know maybe I'm not deserving or there's like some type of little excuse but Mm -hmm. yeah it's just um, crazy just to think that it's stuck there and that you know it does take a lot of work to go back and heal and even when you think you're healed more comes up and you have to go back in again and continue to clear going back from zero to seven years old you're in theta, which means your your brain as a child is observing and observing. Like you were literally looking at things mm-hmm. and you're a little sponge. So you're literally bringing all this in. And at some point you're not able to speak. So you're really looking at the dynamics, how the parents, how your parents are reacting to one another. What are they doing? And like I said, this has to do with every category in your life. So if they're reacting distant with one another, then you will mimic that as an adult. If one is yelling, then what you'll do without realizing it as an adult and not looking within, you will start to yell and you're like, this is what my parents said and it's okay. Thinking that you have no control um, for yourself and your actions. However, you just said it. When you still have those little thoughts, those little feelings, like I'm not worthy, that's your inner one saying, hey, there's something within here. Mm-hmm. Like, And that belief system is actually created by a habit. A habit is something that you continuously do every single day for how long? You, It's a repetitive. So if you had all these ages and you did it repetitive, and as you continue to do it repeatedly as an adult then yes, you're going to have to take the time every single day and, you know, cancel that lie out. No, like that unworthiness, that's not true. 
I am worthy of love. I am worthy of this. I am worthy to have a voice. I am worthy to feel that love. I am worthy to have that nurture from a family, from an adult, from everything, even finances. You know, if your parents were struggling, then you kind of like think you need to struggle or you find ways of how to victimize yourself to find that struggle. And once again, it's about understanding that you can be in that plateau of bringing that in because who you are is what you're attracting. So you're pushing that out and the universe is saying, I'm hearing you say whatever you want to say. I'm hearing your calling. If you think you're unworthy, I'm going to give you examples of why you're unworthy. If I feel like I am worthy, I'm going to give you examples of why you are worthy. If you feel completely loved, let me give you people that are loving. If you feel like you were always being um, attacked as a child, then let me give you, remind you that there's people out here that are going to go ahead and mimic that. So that way you can remember within your own self, hey, check the engine light, look within. Because your subconscious mind is the driver of you. And sometimes we do things without even thinking about it because it's so ingrained in us mm-hmm. that it it has to, that trigger is that indicator, like your subconscious is talking to you. That is a great indicator. That's why it's important to be self-aware. Mm-hmm. When I, I was uh, talking to my husband recently about some different things and triggers in specific, like you're talking about, and it was just that concept of like really reframing what a trigger is to you. Mm-hmm. It's like if when you can look at it like a blessing, like, oh, yes. wow, there's something else I need to learn about myself. Thank you for showing that to me. Now I'm going to dive in and figure that out instead of like, oh, man, here's something else to learn and dive into. Like this sucks. It's like they're two very different <laughs> yeah. mentalities. But anytime you can look at a trigger as a blessing mm-hmm. and have that positive kind of connection to it the more likely that you're wanting to dive you're going to want to dive into things the more you know positive an outcome it will be it doesn't have to be hard right it's like dispelling that belief that like figuring yourself out is hard and it's daunting and it's exhausting it's like no maybe it's beautiful and you're going to become a better person and you're going to have a beautiful ripple effect by with the newness that comes from releasing whatever that trigger is and that is a subconscious belief that things are hard Mm-hmm. you gathered it from where so things can be easy for you and you can understand that and then you can keep repeating that and so yes a trigger can be a blessing and it is a blessing because it's saying hey look within this is not being aligned if we're here to be the most loving people and be the most authentic people that we can for ourselves and that's what we truly want everybody wants love and so if that is your mission in life then it's going to say, ding, 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 like, hey, look within a great father, a great mother, um, a great person for your friends. Do you want to be what kind of person do you want to show up for you, for yourself, um, for your loved ones? And if that's not being aligned, then, yes, it's going to you're going to get angry. You're going to get hurt. You're going to get pain. Those are indicators. Check the engine. Look within. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it can, it's a very much of a blessing because It's telling you, look within. When what happens when someone wants to just push it away? Oh, it's because they suck. Like, you know, oh, I'm in this position because that it's this person's fault. It's like what happens when people allow that excuse to keep existing? They're going to be keep repeating what they have in front of you. Plain Mm -hmm. and simple. 
it's repetitive. Life is repetitive. So it's like either figure out the trigger and try to do it different or you're doomed to keep repeating yeah. the same thing and be stuck in this angry situation over and over again. Yes. And some people feel like they're, it's out of their control. And that is the biggest lie ever. That you have no control over your own self. I mean, hello. Mm-hmm. It's you. <laughs> so your personality is made up of... of um, how you grew up, good or bad, <laughs> and it's all stems and it's all in your subconscious mind. Mm-hmm. So, I love this analogy. And so, going back to the vehicle thing, <laughs> so they said your belief system is the bus, and it's it's going right. Your thoughts are that person in the front telling you exactly what's going on. Um, you know, the, hey, we're, we're at the corner, we're at the store, we're it's just calling out exactly where, where you're at. Now, your emotions are the amplifier. Your subconscious mind holds everything in the back. So if you get triggered, it doesn't matter where you're, where the bus is going. If you're pissed off, you're going to ram it to wherever you want it to. You're going to create chaos. You're going to spew out hate. You're going to spew, um, you're going to react to it. So your subconscious mind holds everything about you. And how do we tap into it? There are several ways that you can do it. So the first one we've talked about is when you first wake up, you're in theta, which means your subconscious is open. You're able to tap in and start affirming or even having um, being grateful for things and tap into that. Then that's the morning. You can do that in the afternoon. But throughout the day, we are in conscious mode, which means your subconscious is driving. But we're in consciousness mode that we're awake. So that trigger is telling you, hey, there is something here that needs to come in. It is up to us to control whether we want to go ahead and tap into and allow that subconscious to really have full destruction. Or do we really want to have that self-awareness in the very beginning? Hey, I'm angry. I need a moment. Where is this coming from? Hey, there's fear. We have all these different emotions that we don't talk about. And, and yet they are really driving that bus. They're really driving ourselves, our body in every, in every, any direction that wants to go thinking that we don't have control, but you do have full control because it's what you put within your own self. It's what you believed that, that makes it truthful. If you feel you're unworthy, then you will. That's your belief system. But it was something that was subconsciously, it was something that was re- to you that you believed we're not broken as people we think we're broken because someone told us that we're broken so that is a lie that's where we need to have discernment within our own self and be like this is not what I want for myself my authentic self is saying I'm aligned I'm in I love or even in love with yourself that is the highest form of vibration and that's what we all seek so if there's something not or peace, if there's something that is not even, you know, bringing us to that state, then what and why is blocking us 
from really walking down that path. Mm-hmm. Well, and it, sorry, it sounds like it's really important to identify the pain. Yes. And then depersonalize it in a way of like, because I think it's like validating your own experience. I think part of it is about identifying the pain, validating that experience, and then moving on. And mm-hmm. of like, I'm no longer going to allow this experience to dictate where I'm going because I'm going to, that's, that's the trigger. But now, now, so if someone comes to me, it's, it, this isn't personal. Like if you're going to come at me upset, you're yelling at me and then I'm going to yell at you back. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This actually, you can be upset, but this anger, this shame, this whatever is not about me. This is actually. Well, I think when you mm-hmm. have an understanding of what emotions are, like she's saying, if you, if you're angry, if you're anxious, if you're fearful, if you're feeling down, it's like being able to stop the reaction, take a step back, pinpoint what that actually is, because it's probably not the situation right in front of you. The situation right in front of you is triggering you mm-hmm. to have this feeling, but it's your job to stop, assess why mm-hmm. this is a trigger for you specifically, because I'm sure it's not a trigger for everyone. Yeah. And then realizing, oh, this is making me feel shame, abandonment, lack of worthiness, whatever it mm-hmm. is. So when you like connect the feeling with the past, you're able to, like Brenna kind of stated, to depersonalize the situation right in front of you. It's like, oh, my husband, for example, like, oh, when my husband yells at me, it makes me feel like anxious that my marriage is going to end. It makes me feel like I'm not worthy of love. It makes me think I deserve all this negative energy. When in reality, it's like, no, why is he yelling in the first place? He is dysregulated. Something's wrong with him. But I need to go in and be like, why am I feeling all of these things just with someone getting loud with me? Mm-hmm. And it's like, if I can dismiss that that fear, the anxiety, abandonment, whatever it, the trigger is making me feel, then I don't need to hate him. I need to just look at him as a human and say, whoa. I don't deserve this treatment. What's going on? Why do you feel the need to yell and scream? Like you need to figure out your triggers. I have my own set of triggers because of your behavior. It's taking that ownership of your feelings. And it's something I like to say is like, I am who I am because of, and in spite of my trauma and my past, Mm -hmm. it all makes me me, right? Mm -hmm. Some things I do because of the trauma and I keep (laughs) perpetuating those, but some things have radically changed and I'm the opposite of whatever trauma happened to me. So I think, I think it is really important to pinpoint the emotion and realize, hold on, what does this mean to me? And when you realize everyone is carrying their own traumas and own triggers and own emotions, it's easy for me to be like, wow, that person was really upset in traffic. They must be having a bad day. It's not because yeah. I'm a horrible person. Well, and it's, you know? But what I'm saying, it's, it's really important to validate that initial experience. That it is. Is. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, it yes, is. yes. No, I think we're saying similar yeah. things. Like I, I think it is important to be able to like tap into that younger self where they originally had that pain the trauma and then reassociate what that means to you right so um you gave that example of you know husband yelling and you're accepting it so that's two one why is he yelling and two why are you accepting it yes that whole thing i mean that is like each other's trauma is coming to a head and you're in that pivotal moment and what i'm saying is that doesn't need to happen so i'll give you um so before this whole work, uh, my youngest was 10 years old. And I can't remember what was happening, but I was just, I kept getting on her and on her and on her. And my partner had to step in like, hey, what's going on? You're, you're incredibly very hard on her. And I said, what's wrong with it? My mom 
treated me this way. Why can't I treat her that way? And she looked at me <laughs> and I'm like, mm, right there. That was my stopping point. That was my stopping point. But because my little one, that 10 year old just was looking at me like, why am I being the cause of your pain? And here I was projecting your pain on me. And I was projecting my pain on her. And I perpetuated thinking I had no control. But when I was faced with that, I could have had, I could have yelled again and said, Mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with this, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I could have went on. That is a stopping point. The minute you get louder and you try to justify something, that is your stopping point. Mm-hmm. Why am I trying to justify it so hard? Two, I wasn't okay because it caused me to yell. <laughs> at Mama's not yeah. okay. Yeah, I was not okay. <laughs> so I really had to take the time and excuse myself and evaluate and then come back to my 10-year-old and apologize. Yeah. And understand, like, she didn't deserve that. My little one did not deserve that. Not only did she not deserve it, but my... The inner one within me didn't deserve it at that mm-hmm. age either. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and there's that yeah. validation. And I think with that validation, there's also compassion too. Yes. Because especially in those moments, and I feel like, you know, I've had those triggering moments with my child. Showing myself compassion is like, okay, I'm only projecting what was done to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's also where I, there's beauty in those triggering moments is to say like, okay, I'm also going to trust the timing of this. Mm-hmm. The trauma is basically, you know, a wound that needs to come up and heal. Mm -hmm. It's right in front of my face. And so I welcome those moments as an opportunity to say, okay, now is the time to heal this because it's coming up. It's right in front of my face. I'm not going to get mad at myself for it. I can be accountable, but I'm also going to be compassionate because I didn't know any better. My parents didn't know any better, Mm -hmm. but I stopped the cycle now. Exactly. I love that. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And that's beautiful. So you should be proud of yourself for stopping that. We're all trying to. (laughs) Well, and it's interesting. We spoke to the Evolved Caveman um, in our last podcast, and he was just saying how a lot of men, one of the few emotions they're allowed to carry or that's accepted in society is anger. Mm -hmm. And he was kind of talking about this victimization piece a little bit of like when I'm angry and I say, well, if you would just stop, I wouldn't have to yell Mm -hmm. that same mechanism. It's like that's not taking any accountability for your emotion. That's not assessing the situation. It's just trying to stop the situation. Um, and I think that's a subtle way, like whenever we're upset, whether it's their children or with life or with a, a partner, it's like, we could easily just be like, I'm mad and it's your fault or it's the world's fault or whatever, but that's not taking any accountability and not taking any control or power. It's, you're not using your power to shift it and change. No. And then not just men. I really want to tap into also women. Oh, for sure. Because if you're mimicking that power and you see that as power, then what is a woman going to do? Going to mimic that thinking, that masculine, that I need to be angry. And um, just an example, I did the same thing. I mimicked my dad and I was angry. If I was hurt, I was angry. If I was scared, I was angry. If I was concerned, I was angry. And it literally came off angry. I was thinking I was showing sadness and showing (laughs) all these things. And I wasn't. I was just showing straight up anger because that's exactly what I was mimicking my dad. He was someone I looked up to. So that's what I did. And understanding that there were so many, so many other emotions that I could have, I could have tapped into. 
but also understanding that part of the anger, it doesn't mean power as for it just means that you're actually scared and you're fearful. But mm-hmm. once again, they didn't have the words. And it wasn't just men. It's people, men and women. Most people in, you know, 60s, 70s, they were taught to, to they were meant to be seen and not heard. So there goes your throat, throat chakra. There goes you can't say what you want to say. So what do you develop? You develop survival skills when you develop mm-hmm. unrelenting reliance on a parent figure because you yes. can't tr- they're not allowing you to have a voice or trust yourself so you're always having to default to someone above you yes and you external. can't trust your own intuition it's like no listen Correct. to me listen to what i'm saying you don't get to tell me what you want to do we can dive in this so many different ways mm-hmm. because then also then you have the difference between being respectful and obedience mm-hmm. and there is a huge disconnection on regards to that or obedience means submissive <laughs> and mm-hmm. respectful so then they went through that too so we're also carrying that too respect just means being kind and loving everything else means obedience and society and people and men and women we have that some of us have it all mixed up obedience means say what i want i mean do what i want you to do when i say to do it and how to do it and then when that's not followed then you're being disrespectful and that needs to be like completely. Oh, I think a lot of people table. have the wrong definition of what respect yes. is, and, it, it, and like you said, a lot of it comes from past experiences or what was demanded of you as respectful. But I, I like that concept of like looking at certain words, like keywords, and reassessing your definition of it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like whether it's a positive or a negative mm-hmm. thing, I, I think it's important to relook at stuff and be like, wait a minute, why do I think respect means X? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, why do I associate the word? I don't know, whatever with this thing. And sweet. I, huh? Sweet. Sweet. Yeah. Why <laughs> do I associate sweet with weak? Like, why is that a thing? Exactly. Yeah. Um, but words are a big, huge indicator. The words that you use is, it's exactly what's going on inside. So what words are you using to describe yourself, to describe people? That's a huge one where people don't even notice it. Mm-hmm. So look at yourself write a letter to yourself write a letter to your parents and then you will see right there in that letter that there is actually hidden so-called words that you're using that is really saying how much you're hurting or how much your inner ones are hurting and you can even take that to dive in deeper within your own self scripting is another tool as you know it's writing um, that way you can start learning about yourself and how you're feeling and validating those feelings that you have uh, within you so that way it becomes more familiar to yourself i love that you were actually answered one of the next questions oh. i was gonna ask is how do we how can we tap into ourselves to get a better assessment of how we're victimizing ourselves without realizing scripting writing right um i so my clients are my you know i let them know that one of their homework is write a letter to the person that you feel that is hurting you write just write it out do not send it please do not do not send it do not give it to them because you're the one being triggered so what if you write that whole thing out and really laid out on the table your own feelings then you're able to assess it and understand and ask yourself the question what does this remind you of and i'm telling you it's going to take you way back to zero to seven and it's going to remind you of an event. And 
when you do that, you're able to have more self-aware, like, oh, wow, my mom did this or my dad did this. And at that time, you can start comforting yourself. You can validate yourself. You can start being more aware of what direction do I want that person to be within, you know, or go to. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a big one. Um, Second thing is forgiving yourself, forgiving others and forgiving yourself. Um, We talked about like people hold guilt and shame, which really closes that off because you're thinking, okay, I'm not worthy. I'm not enough. So you hold that onto it. And what that does is just going to stunt you. I mean, there's if no one is broken, but we all have habits that causes hurt and pain. What is there really to be ashamed of? Mm-hmm. So it's really about learning how to really forgive yourself and accepting that. And when you start accepting that, um, and even if you're not able to, start learning how to love yourself. Love the way you process information. Love the fact that you're going through this journey. Love the fact that you, what you do for yourself and other people. What is your greatest, greatest attributes? And then also look at the ones that you think that you don't like. The ones that you don't like hold a big, huge clue about you. And those are even lovable too. Mm -hmm. You don't have to, you don't have to dive into deep within after or like say this is who I am but you can love them to understand they are part of you and they make the whole being of who you are love that mm-hmm. I I personally love journaling as well I mean I feel like that's another way of like whether it's scripting or writing letters but also just journaling whenever I feel an intense emotion and even being open to be still and meditate which is hard for me because I don't like being still very much Um, but I think that's an important piece that the world is moving so fast it's easy to keep ourselves preoccupied with Mm -hmm. duties or work it's like there's always something to fill space or scrolling mindlessly on social media it's like there's always something you could be doing but Mm -hmm. it's like creating space for yourself to be still and to actually be able to one feel your emotion tag it know what it actually is and then to do the work to assess where it's coming from mm-hmm. i feel like a lot of us want to put the blinders on and not actually try to feel anything mm-hmm. and but. appreciate those feelings appreciate yourself appreciate what's around you uh, a lot of people don't they fall into like this is just something that i have and they forget that at one point they wanted it so bad mm-hmm. and they stop appreciating things so once you start appreciating that 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 um that level of gratefulness does come up so you're not able to be in a negative state and still be grateful and appreciate in in full appreciation of those items Mm -hmm, it's just not doable why do you think some people are scared to observe themselves honestly they're scared to find out who they are they're scared to find out those negative parts of themselves in that's would you say some of them are scared to tap into those emotions that have hurt them yes i mean our own body already tries to hide it they it tried you i went into a session um and we were tapping in close and the person kept doing outer outer it's this person's fault is this person's fault it's this person's fault it's this person's fault i said let's go ahead and look within look at your own engine let's and and then once again, it's hard to say and to admit, I felt unworthy of this. 
I felt hurt by this. I feel not loved. I feel not seen. I feel like I'm not enough. I'm not adequate enough. And that is hurtful. And to know that that's what you've been, that's what's been driving you, your body, your, your energy, everything, to admit that to yourself, that's what you have. So you're going to look at the outer worlds around you. But honestly, if you tap into that, I'm not enough, then you have that opportunity, that blessing that we talked about, that trigger, that blessing like, that's a lie. I am worthy. I am good enough. I am whole. I am love. And giving yourself that compassion to hold yourself in that state that you're able to do it for yourself. Stop denying yourself. Give yourself permission to love yourself. Give yourself permission to look within. Give yourself permission to look at the greatness of who you are. Well, and I think it's important to recognize your own power as far as like, I want to be able to observe myself objectively, the good, bad, and ugly. And I want to be able to say, this is all of me. And it all makes me, it doesn't, not any one piece makes me a good or bad person, but I have the power to change whatever bad parts I don't like, or I don't want to keep perpetuating. And I think a lot of the time people hide from that. Like, I don't want to see the negative aspects of me. I'm just going to focus on the positive. Right. And it's like, that's also a lie. It's like, we have the power to change anything and everything about our lives, about ourselves. And so what's the scary thing? What's the scary thing about mm-hmm. seeing my inadequacies or seeing things I don't necessarily love? It's like, there's a lot of power in that if I let it be, you know, a pivot point in my mm-hmm. life instead of a hindrance. And that's because society and people told us you have to be a good girl. Mm-hmm. Good girl means obedience. Good girl means respect or good boy. Well, and you so throw religion person. on top of it. Yeah. I do feel like a lot of religion is like, hush, hush about the bad. Let's only look at the good and let's hide our ugly from everyone else around. And that's like not helpful either. Because yeah. that they feel that that negative is going to define them, that it's they're no longer going to fall into that category of being a good person. For sure. And that's not true. That's a lie. So what we do is we hide it. We avoid it we i mean that's part of what we were taught because they were never taught to deal with it Mm -hmm. so we are whole we are complete when we really do dive into those aspects of our ourselves and we can continue being a good person now once you dive into those negative aspects of yourself and know that those are a lie now you can actually build on that am i a good not just a good person am i a good spouse Am I a good friend? Am I a good friend to myself? So those are little, I mean... You like fine-tuning. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Like for yes, sure. but well, definitely. And it sounds like forgiveness is kind of an important piece to give to yourself. Of yes. The times that you may not be so... The negative parts of yourself. It's also forgiving yourself for acting in that way or being that person and moving on with a newness. Like I no longer have to be that person. I don't need Mm -hmm. to hold guilt and shame anymore. I'm going to forgive these negative aspects of myself and move forward. Mm -hmm. I think you're a hundred percent right. I think forgiving yourself for anything and everything that's happened or any attributes that you're carrying that you're no longer happy with. It's like, why be shameful about it? It was what it was. And now I have the power to be different. Mm -hmm. But I think some people get caught up in the guilt and shame and judgment of self that they don't see a different way. Like, well, this is how I am. It's because of other people or it's because of my trauma. Mm -hmm. And reality, it's like, what excuse is good enough? 
what excuse is good enough to not be the mom you want to be, to be the woman you want to be, to be the spouse you want to be? Like, what excuse are you going to take to their grave? That's like, I couldn't be a good mom because of this. Mm -hmm. It's like, for me, I'm like, I don't want any excuse to be enough. It's like, I am because of, and in spite of my trauma and I am still continuing to be better. Yeah. And I think having that mentality, I feel like could serve you well. Well, Think of it this way too, is if something happens and it is a negative and you react in a negative way, you start yelling and you start hurting and you push it out into the person and you don't, you decide that it's out of your control, like you stated, and you continuously do that. Guess what? People are not going to forgive you because they're saying you just keep doing this and it's not, it's nothing is changing. And so something within you wants to go ahead and distance yourself from that person because you no longer want to feel that and say, will you do a healing session and that other person doesn't? You're going to start elevating. You're going to start understanding. This is not what we need. This is not the standard that I want to live by. This is not what I want to keep perpetuating in my life. Mm -hmm. So then you start finding things differently. You start assessing and that person still continues. Um, If they can raise their vibration and start looking within, yes, the both of you guys can go ahead and start raising and understanding that there is something much more bigger. But it's a wonderful opportunity to say, oh my goodness, that person, you you just did a dance within that. That person has that contract with me to trigger me so I can look within and, and understand this about myself. So thank you for being that person that triggered me do I want it? No. <laughs> so let me change it within my own self. So therefore, you are no longer triggering me. Mm-hmm. And if you continue to do what you do, then I have the choice to say, am I going to participate in who you are? Or do I, I can just take myself out? Therefore, like you said, the distancing yourself that you're able to understand that I'm not going to take it personal now. And you don't have to take things personal to understand they're going through their own battles. But I don't need to participate in what you're creating right now in this environment. I love that. And that's empowerment right there. Mm -hmm. Like it's up to me to stay or not. Yes. Mm -hmm. Love that. All right. Well, thank you, Lisette, for coming on the podcast. I appreciate you joining us again. Thank you. We're really excited for some of the upcoming events you have coming. Um, Just to kind of drop the title, the tap in, tune out that we're planning in October. Yes. Where we will have Lisette showcase her shamanic healing and bring out her... Medicine drum. Medicine drum, maybe rattle, maybe both, who knows? (laughs) (laughs) But just save the date because we're really looking forward to that and hope that we can get as many people to attend and experience it firsthand. And then once you find your power animal, it can actually help you in your own journey in life. And we can talk about it more on the day that you have that event. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Finding your powerful or power animal is such a cool tool. Mm-hmm. And I feel like once I found mine, I feel like it. he kind of comes up within other sessions and gives me some guidance and, yes. and tools that I didn't realize I needed. So that's a pretty cool aspect, too. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. Looking forward to it. Thank you for listening to Awaken Your Ego, a podcast that explores biohacking and self-discovery. We hope you follow us on Instagram and Facebook to stay up to date on what we're working on in your area.